0: Welcome to the podcast that is all about self-employment. We'll be sharing expertise on getting started, getting noticed, and getting it right, as well as dealing with getting it wrong. Your host, Julia Kermode, will help you get ahead, so you get the success you deserve
1: Welcome to today's podcast. I'm really pleased to have with me Christian Lay and we're talking about why attitudes to self-employment are contributing to the cost of living crisis um, that we're all experiencing at the moment. And Christian is an employment lawyer with lots of years of specialist experience in employment status and self-employment and he's from Guild Freelancing. So really warm welcome, Christian. It's lovely to have be with us today
0: it's a real pleasure to be on with you this morning
1: fantastic so yeah why are attitudes to self-employment contributing to the cost of living crisis i mean it's it's a, it's a big statement isn't it it's a big headline so yeah i mean uh, what are your initial thoughts around that
0: yeah it, it is a big headline and i think before it's unpacked it can look like a statement that tries to tie two facts together quite lightly or that or that the link between the two is Tenuous, but if you'll indulge me, I'd like mm. to describe across certain pressure points in our economy. And so I'm talking about the UK here, yeah?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: How one thinks is contributing to the other. And there, there is a slight sort of Russian dull element when we look okay. at infrastructure. Would it be okay if we start with infrastructure? Yeah,
1: I think that's good because I know from my own experience and knowledge that infrastructure projects have huge amounts of self-employed people. Let's start there because well, it's that,
0: m- that's the thing they they used to. We'll, ah. we'll unpack all of that. I mean, certainly if you look historically, not that we're here for a history lesson, but the <laughs> Channel Tunnel Rail Link yeah. was built was built almost exclusively by freelancers. Okay, so okay. your, your jobbing construction workers, be yeah. they tunnellers carpenters, engineers, electricians, 90% self-employed, be- because that's a norm in construction. Mm. But there's political ideology coursing through UK infrastructure projects that's, that's changed that picture. So let, let me try and start at the beginning and, and okay. explain how I um, came to the allegation that <laughs> a, a negative attitude to self-employment is hurting all of us. Yeah, The UK economy isn't in a great state, it's fair to say. I'm not saying mm-hmm. it's the worst but it's certainly not in a brilliant state. And what we're trying to do, at the very least, is engineer some Keynesian-style economic recovery through building. Mm
2: -hmm. You're
0: familiar with the Keynesian model, aren't you? Yeah. Build big things, make edifices, fill it with labour, and that keeps employment up, it keeps supply chains going, and even though it costs to build it, the outcome gives you an economic boom. Yeah. Yeah, and,
1: and we've you... we've seen this happen a few times in different economic cry. I don't know if crisis is the right word, but certainly I've I've seen the government making a conscious effort to invest in this type of Correct. thing to keep yeah. keep the, the economy point. going.
0: That's exactly it. And so, whether sort of whether you're in a win lose or draw economy, most Western capitalist democracies will keep their infrastructure projects going because they buoy the the general proposition. Mm. Um, And at the moment, we have, if you look at the big ones, I won't name every single one because it'd be (laughs) tedious, but HS2, which is a a, a national rail infrastructure project, Hinkley Point, which is the rebuilding of a power plant. Mm -hmm. And then the slightly smaller ones, which are by no means um, to be forgotten about, Thames Tideway, that massive sewer running under London. Um, You've got some some works down in uh, Somerset there. So... feel free to take HS2 and Hinkley Point as kind of the big headline ones, but there's a lot of government-led infrastructure projects happening in the UK. And so edifices are being made. And those edifices, just like Channel Tunnel Rail Link, just like Crossrail of, what, five years ago, Elizabeth Lines just opened, hasn't it? Um, Mm -hmm. They require armies of labour, don't they? Trades of labour. Yeah. You've got the professionals like your your architects and estimates and surveyors who (laughs) Draw it all up, and then you've got the people that do it. And I've alluded to some of the trades already, you know, tunnelers, electricians, etc., etc.
2: Mm.
0: And previously they would have been self-employed, but the lead contractors, either by virtue of union pressure or of their own making, have imposed what's known as the PAYE mandate. And the PAYE mandate, which exists on all infrastructure projects, including HS2 and Hinckley Point, says mm. That those people that provide labor to the project and as i've said already that's thousands and thousands of workers right Mm. can't be self-employed they have to be employed and they don't even mean umbrella which is as you know is another form of contracting PAYE footing they mean literally employed so employer employees do not send self-employed people can't do it right and most of the people that are on these that are on these projects would rather be self-employed. Yeah. You've probably heard of the construction industry scheme. Yeah. It's a tax withholding scheme for self-employed jobbing construction workers. Okay. And they would normally be taxed under that. And they like it because they can move around different sites projects, because as you know, construction is cyclical without mm. their tax code changing. So it's convenient to always operate under the same tax banner di- despite moving around a lot.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. the AYE doesn't afford that same flexibility. Now I want to talk about borrowing and another parlous dimension of our economy yeah HS2 we don't know what it will cost in the end like crossrail it will go over budget inevitably <laughs> yes. but the the current estimate is 98 billion and most commentators think it will be more than that because every every big project like this overruns its budget so let's say we're into the hundreds of billions mm-hmm. and in order to fund that the government has to borrow we know that it doesn't have any money in the kitty the kitty's empty isn't it post furlough yeah. post covid you could have There's a discussion nothing. about whether it's the government's own fault but the the tank's empty right mm. government has to but like all governments we have to borrow and mm-hmm. we borrow to spend we borrow to spend on our nhs and all the different schemes that we use mm. um there'll be energy help this winter and next winter and all of that stuff so that borrowing attracts interest Interest is expensive. The interest bill on government borrowing for September three months ago was 20 billion pounds. 20 billion quid of interest, not the capital, wow. yeah. the interest. <laughs> so the, the, the interest on our borrowing is just insane.
2: Mm. So
0: we're making these monthly interest payments on the capital debt in the billions. Now, the more we have to borrow, the more interest we have to pay. Yeah, that means yeah. the more expensive hs2 is the more yeah. we have to borrow and you're in that never-ending circle of borrow interest borrow interest
1: <laughs> yeah um, my head's spinning but yeah i'm still with you
0: <laughs> no fine yeah it's just that the proposition is yeah if, if the government has to fund these projects it has to get the money from somewhere it has to borrow it and then it has to pay interest in the billions on the borrowing.
1: yeah
0: yeah the more it borrows the more it has to pay back in interest mm. like all of us you have a loan the bigger. You know, you, it's you, not free. You always yeah. have interest on borrowing. and <laughs> yeah. The more you borrow, the more interest there is. Yeah. The PAYE mandate on the project is making the projects more expensive. Yes. Now, I'm pro freelancer, so I'm always mm-hmm. going to focus on the efficiencies of freelancing. But I don't think it's controversial to say that employment is more expensive straight away employment involves and i'm just going to take a handful of emoluments here and you're welcome to add someone if you want to Mm. you've got employers nic's at 15 yeah that will be worked into all of the invoices of the contractors supplying the labor you've got sickness pay holiday pay parental leave other rights surrounding leave auto enrollment pension the list goes on and maybe even some indirect costs like hr department salaries obviously you've got thousands of employees you need some hr people to deal with them yeah (laughs) yes so i don't think it's a controversial proposition that employing people attracts more cost than using a self-employed person yeah because of all of those on top not least the 50 percent
1: and also more risk as well. Sorry to to butt in, but no, no, you have the risk of, of tribunals or the risk of what whatever else these yeah, pesky up, yeah. employees might get up to. And I mean that in you know a, a, um, an amusing way. I don't mean employees are, are bad at all, but but these
0: are all the indirect costs. Aren't yeah. they? Like I mentioned a minute ago HR department salaries, but yeah, you do get indirect costs. You get yeah. whistleblowing claims. You get oh, personal yeah. injury claims. Yeah. you get employment tribunals they happen yes so yeah this insistence on the use of employed people on hs2 hinckley point and all other infrastructure projects is adding billions to the cost of putting the labor to work mm. what happens then the government has to borrow more to meet it it yeah. will bust its budget by billions and the government will have borrowed more pay more interest and then who does it come to for the money? The taxpayer. Yeah. So, so we're, we are operating inefficiently as a country just yeah. by virtue of this one political ideology that courses through our infrastructure projects. Were yeah. we able to drop that? Were the project leaders, the tier one contractors, et cetera, to say, here's what we're going to do. There should, people should be employed if they're low paid or incapable of being self employed. I think that's uncontroversial. We don't want full self-employment, do we? But if you want to put through skilled trades who tend to be taxed under CIS and who have always lived as self-employed, yeah, fine. We, mm. we tolerate both. Um, they, there should be a more, a more open-minded attitude. The closed-minded attitude is making the costs of the project spiral. And yeah. we, Joe Schmo, like you and me, we've got to pay for it. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I, it, were I lucky enough to get in front of a senior minister or a member of cabinet, I'd say, you know, all this borrowing the, that's going on to fund, you know, energy crisis and the back end of furlough and all the other schemes that are fixing the NHS backlog, all the things that you need money for, you, you imagine the savings you could make by reintroducing freelancers to infrastructure projects and you could use the spare billions to fix all of our many problems.
1: Well, exactly. And, you know, I think that, well, I don't know, you've probably got better insight um, than I have, but I've always thought that most of these projects, when they were originally conceived, um, because it's years in the planning for these big projects, um, there was a different attitude towards how people were engaged. And it was more acceptable um, years ago for more people to be engaged as self-employed and working freelance. um, Whereas, One of the things that we will obviously come on to is that there have been changes with IR35 and off payroll working, which have meant that a lot of businesses now want people to be paid through payroll and employed rather than working self-employed. And that change has really affected people's attitudes, but also it's, it's had a massive effect on the cost of these projects and you know i think certain projects have gone massively over budget and i wouldn't say it's a hundred percent down to self-employment um attitudes but I do think it's a major factor. I mean, um, you, you're closer to the detail than I am through, through, the, um, through, through businesses that, you, that you're that you involved with. So, so what's your sort of take on that?
0: Well, I, I think that's an, a neat opportunity to, to move on to the impact of IR35. Yep. I think you've introduced that nicely. Supply chains, if I can just focus there for a second, are mm. crucial to our economy. Mm. And we've seen how COVID firstly, brought down our supply chains Uh, then then availability of stuff like Chinese made computer chips and then the the boat stuck in the Suez canal and all of Uh, that stuff and we we've seen haven't we also Brexit hasn't helped and we've seen that in a post-Covid post-Brexit economy the supply chain sort of framework or lattice work is actually quite fragile and it doesn't take much to unhinge it and Mm. then the next thing you may have a supply problem you'll have noticed certain things are not on the shelves in supermarkets. Mm. You'll notice that there's a rush on goods or I think the latest one was eggs. You can't get eggs at the moment. Yes, yeah. yeah. So IR35, again, it looks like a tangential link before you zoom in, but I can (laughs) assure you it's it's not tangential. Most people in the haulage industry ran their own lorries Mm -hmm. and drove on a self-employed footing. And the most common style of self-employed footing was to run their own personal service company or you might prefer limited company contractor Mm -hmm. so if it's john smith the haulage driver he's got a little company called john smith limited and he Mm -hmm. supplies himself and working as a personal service company was a really common method of operating as a haulage driver and i'm mainly talking about british haulage drivers now Mm -hmm. i know we we have overseas haulage drivers many of whom we've alienated as a result of brexit but i'm talking about sort of the british base yeah and when the 2021 reforms to IR35 came in, meaning that the user party so the hauliers and the, and the people in the upper parts of the supply chain didn't want tax risk. It pushed a lot of these guys towards Umbrella, which, as mm-hmm. I've mentioned before, is a form of PAYE. So it's sort of tax safe, if you will. But the, the drivers didn't like it. So what that led to, and I think in a minute we'll probably talk about the departing workforce. It's a phenomenon. It's in the papers every day. Mm. it led to thousands of haulage drivers just giving up most of them anyway julia were, were quite old yeah, i don't mean that with any sort of angle but yeah versus your overseas guys british haulage drivers tend to be over 50 sort of salt of the earth over 50s type right. guys who have just spent their whole life in the cab of a lorry right
1: yeah yeah and they
0: said well i've done it this way for my entire career and now you want to put me you know, a couple of hundred quid down a week. I'm just actually going to go and do something else. Absolutely. And they've gone to Amazon warehouses, or they've gone on the tools if they've got a trade, or they've gone to courier driving, because it's another form of driving. Or some yeah. of them have just retired early and said, do you know what? I'm just going to the Costa del Sol. I've had enough. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: Can't blame if, them.
0: <laughs> exactly. Now, do you remember I said that the, the supply chain lattice work is very fragile? Mm. If you extract... Thousands of people who drive lorries, what happens? Goods don't get from A to B. Mm-hmm. People are waiting. It puts pressure on costs. You have price surges. Mm-hmm. So, the, this not brilliant state of our economy that we're living through, which has supply chain pressures running through it, has been, those pressures have been ag- exacerbated by wrongly and unfairly taking haulage drivers out of their. Habitual self employment and mm. putting them either into something else they're not happy with, which means they leave, or just causing them to leave.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: and even the RHA, the Road Haulage Association, did a survey in 2020, uh, 2021, excuse me, and the largest share of the reason for leaving the haulage profession was IR35. So across oh, the different, yeah. uh, if you imagine a pie chart, across the different reasons, like I don't know,
2: Retirement. fed up and sitting in a cab, yeah, yeah.
0: wages, uh brexit you know you tell why are you leaving ir35 was the most common answer it had the largest share of the pie and that's that's the haulage drivers answering it for themselves that's not speculation by commentators like me Mm. that was a survey completed by the drivers themselves so again if we take this as the kind of the second strand of this discussion Mm. with a with a with a fragile supply chain network it doesn't help that our tax treatment of thousands of people on whom we rely has led to them leaving that division of the economy to the massive detriment of all of us.
1: Yeah, it's it's not good. I think I might have seen the survey that, that you're referring to there because I was watching what the RHA were doing quite a bit last year because <laughs> the last winter we had all the fuel prices and, yeah. and the, the, the shortages at kind of petrol stations. And, and we were at a point actually with the supply chains last year that there was a concern whether our Christmas tables would would be full enough yes. of everything we're used to. I mean, you know, the, these are first world problems. But actually, what's behind them was 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 a, a, a real crisis in relation to to the the way our haulage operates. So so yeah, uh-huh. it, it was. And I'm not surprised that IR35 was, was a big reason because it doesn't make sense. When when you're at the coalface and you're told, no, we need to w- engage you in a different way um, and and it affects how you pay tax and you've been doing it a different way for your whole career, as you say, You're just gonna say no thanks (laughs) so so you know it doesn't surprise me
0: exactly so if we if we take stock of where we've got to so far Mm. because we remember the the header of this podcast is attitudes yes part one was these are effectively private companies i don't think the paye mandate is a government mandate i think it's the tier one contractors operating under union influence so you have a private attitude to self-employment which is harming Mm. the economy and then you have tax policy, effectively, HMRC and Treasury, where we were talking about IR35. Mm. Then you have tax policy hurting the economy. Mm. And if we do, if you're happy, Julie, if we do the sort of the third part of our trinity of pressure points, yeah, I think it's IR35 again, but for the departing workforce, are you happy to trot through that?
1: Yes, yes. So you, you did mention the, the departed workforce earlier. So firstly, what, what do you mean by, by that anyway?
0: Well, it's it's mainly age-related, but you okay. you may have seen in the press and listeners to the podcast may have seen in the press that there's been a phenomenon post-COVID of old, older working people retiring somewhat prematurely mm. out of a desire to just not participate in work any longer. Yeah, So they might be 50, they might be 60, they might be able-bodied and in the ordinary course of things, not ready for retirement yet, but just thinking, nah, I just don't want to anymore yeah yeah it's too difficult well we have a growth problem there's no getting around it yeah it's very hard to get people across all sorts of sectors trades professions whatever the therefore it would have been useful to keep these older people in work Mm -hmm. a proportion of the people that left work ran their own small businesses Mm-hmm. They didn't get help in furlough. Do you remember there was a personal service company exception under furlough? It was a
1: nightmare. I I was very irate about it at the time. And I still am, actually.
0: These tiny businesses are the backbone of our economy. Yep. yep. And what, if you look at the double whammy of the furlough exception and IR35, these people who were already arriving at retirement, not quite, but... On the journey to retirement you yeah. know we're living comfortably built a little pension pot maybe thought i'll do this 10 more years then jack it in yeah firstly furlough screwed them because they got no help and they they were incentivized to pack up and say i oh, have just i've had enough i've done okay i've had a good run let's just leave it
2: mm. and then
0: the the nail in the coffin was ir35 mm. because wherever they were participating in supply chains like your it contractor that i used as an example, mm-hmm. the The bank that they supplied into for 20 odd years has now said, Oh, can't do that anymore. You're gonna have to be employed. Yeah. So so the nail in the coffin was IR 35. And all 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 of these lads and lasses, like I said, mostly over 50, most mostly heading towards retirement anyway. Insofar as they were small business owners, they said, I've had enough, I'm just gonna retire early. Mm -hmm. So we're missing from our workforce thousands of people who would otherwise be economically active, and it's hurting growth. So again, you've got In this podcast, we've looked at um, both sides of the coin. You've got the borrowing and you've got the growth that offsets the borrowing. The borrowing is out of control, wrongly, Mm. and the growth is negligible because of all of the problems with our our workforce. And I'm afraid until one of these pressure points gives, so I suppose it's either private attitudes or tax policy, pick one, unless one of these attitudes gives, or we rejoin the EU, I don't know where growth is coming from.
1: It's it's a huge problem, actually. And years ago, and I'm not quite sure exactly what year I'm talking about, but I do remember the tories were were in government and they were actually encouraging people to to be entrepreneurs and work for themselves and so i'm guessing it was probably in the 90s but correct me if i'm wrong and there seems to have been just a huge change in that relatively short period of time um and and now the government sort of says that they that they encourage people to to, you know be entrepreneurs and work for themselves but what you see in reality coming out of the government actually doesn't encourage it at all does it
0: spot on i think that's so well put they talk the language Mm. of our backbone of the economy and you know that we're a shopkeeper economy and all of this stuff but it it doesn't bear out it's not Mm -hmm. real it's just it's just talk the the truth is and you would not expect this from a Conservative government, typically. The truth is that self-employment has slumped in the last three years. That's yeah. data, that's real. Yeah. The government has done nothing to help the self-employed. They've done plenty to disable the self-employed yeah. through IR35. And so any language around pro-self-employment is just lip service stuff. It's yeah. not real. And we need someone to come in. I don't know if the next government's Labour or Tory again or something else, coalition but someone Mm. needs to come along and say hey we're neglecting the self-employed wedge of our economy big time in fact we're hurting them and growth requires us to address that now briefly there is a conspiracy theory out there oh go on this isn't (laughs) this isn't mine but i mean i I think you know my politics i'm kind of center center right Mm -hmm. and what i'm about to say is like a a left-wing conspiracy theory okay I don't, I don't know how much is in it but there is a conspiracy theory that the government is intentionally because they're conservatives intentionally trying to corporatize the economy so you you're, you're familiar with the concept of like global conglomeration so <laughs> yes. like unilever and diageo and all these companies own almost everything you go to a supermarket pick an item from the food aisle, an item from the pet aisle and an item from the toiletries aisle and Unilever owned all of them. Yeah, (laughs) yes, that's conglomeration. The argument is from the left versus the right is that the Tories, because they look after the donor class who are all big corporates, are facilitating the conglomeration of the US and UK economies so that these massive players end up owning everything Wow. and all the little people will eventually just be amazon warehouse packers and you have nothing in between you have no self-employment or small businesses or smes or middle tier you just have conglomerates that own everything now Ouch. i'm not saying i subscribe to that but certainly the conservative party is doing nothing to make me feel that they're doing anything to look after the self-employed or the middle tier the yeah. donor class seems to have the ear of the Tory party above any other
1: it really does doesn't it I personally don't subscribe to your conspiracy theory but with a lobbying hat on maybe we ought to put it out there a bit more because maybe assuming it's wrong um the government will finally be oh my god people really think this we need to do something (laughs) I don't know
0: for for, for the record I don't believe in the conspiracy theory either no but I think it tells us something I think the capacity for someone from the left to give that narrative tells you all you need to know. The fact they're yeah. able to allege that means there's a problem.
1: Exactly, it does sound plausible, doesn't it? When you look yeah. at the, the the issues we've talked about today, and it, if you take an overview of it all, it you can see why someone might think that's the direction of travel.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Really, really interesting stuff. And look forward to doing some more podcasts with you in the new year. So thanks so
0: much. Can I take the opportunity to wish the listeners a Merry Christmas and we'll see you in the new year.
1: Fantastic. Thanks so much, Christian. All the
0: best. Thank you for listening to All About Self Employment, hosted by Julia Kermode. For more information on today's discussion, please visit iwork.co.uk where you can also join our growing community. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and if you did, then we would love you to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week.